0: So let me get this straight. You're telling me that orthodontics has gone from those embarrassing metal braces in intimidating dentist offices to Apple and Tesla store inspired retail experiences in malls across America? Oh, I'm deconstructing this. To really understand this, I had to find a top orthodontic dentist with the most experience in what's called aligner therapy. I was fortunate to find Dr. Barry Matza and sit with him at his high-tech orthodontic facility in Boca Raton, Florida. Barry received his dental degree from Tufts University in Boston where he also spent time there teaching dentistry. He came to Florida in 1979 and began his orthodontic practice, focusing on children and adults requiring interdisciplinary dentistry. He landed a position on staff at the University of Miami School of Medicine, Department of Plastic Surgery, teaching orthodontics as it relates to cranial facial anomalies to the plastic surgery residents. Barry then taught at Nova Southeastern University and Joe DiMaggio Hospital, where he is the lead orthodontist for the cranial facial team. He has also been working with the Invisalign products since its early days. Barry starts my orthodontic journey from the basics of tooth movement.
1: Uh, okay, so, um First, let's talk about tooth movement. What's tooth movement? You put a pressure on a tooth. If it's a healthy tooth, uh, it puts pressure on the bone. The bone melts away in lay terms and then forms, and that enables teeth to move. So from
0: all of your history to what looks like a supercharged dentist office, that's where Invisalign comes in, or is that a piece of the puzzle
1: here? It's a piece of the puzzle. Uh, Everybody goes through uh, orthodontic training and they uh, learn how to move teeth with wires and brackets and that's what traditionally are metal braces or clear braces and that transmits a force to the tooth which enables it to move. The force has to be directed, there's a lever system, there's a moment, there's all sorts of biomechanics that we learn as orthodontists. Uh, to
0: effectively move the tooth in the most efficient manner. Ah, I knew there was an engineering connection here somewhere. Barry quickly mentioned something called a moment, which I almost skipped right over thinking everyone knows that. That's an engineering term meaning a bending force on something. Think of trying to break a pencil. You put a force on it and develop a moment before it bends and breaks. Barry continues.
1: The first aligner concept came into play um, by a fellow named uh, Kesling, he was an orthodontist. And what he did was he took a mold of someone's mouth, poured it in plaster, and then cut out the tooth to the desired position and made a template and put it in the patient's mouth. If he wanted to move the tooth more, he had to take it down the mold, and then the mold then got cut out again, the tooth moved to the right position and made uh, an appliance
0: that moved the tooth again. I was beginning to see a completely different picture of what I thought was just putting on metal or clear braces and tightening them until something happened. I asked Barry how this technology is different from that mindset.
1: The the nice thing about aligner therapy and Invisalign is one of the companies, there are other companies that, that are producing aligners now, Well, Invisalign started this, and that's the most well, that's the brand that people know. Um, And the nice thing about Invisalign, you can move just one tooth. Well, when you put braces on, you have to move the whole complex. And the most, uh, very often, we're moving the whole complex of teeth because it's not just about the aesthetics of moving the tooth, it's also about how people's teeth meet. Because that's called, and, and if the bite gets thrown off, that could be problematic. Uh, So that's where the expertise comes in. Anybody could um, throw on braces, any dentist would know
0: how to throw on braces. Uh, So the moral of the story is there's a lot of depth and a lot of science between what we're speaking of today versus some generic applications where there's home versions and there's the metal brace version and it wasn't there another one for a while or maybe it still exists where they put the braces on the inside but they're still braces right or is that yeah it's still is that? braces it's
1: just a different way of presenting you're pushing from and pulling from the inside instead of the outside it's it's a harder much harder technique I've tried that a few times in my career and have never been successful at it because I, I for one reason or another I just didn't, I didn't get the results I liked, so I
0: quit I just didn't do them anymore Barry explains that Invisalign is about 10% of his orthodontic practice, but he sees this fast evolving technology becoming more widely accepted and growing for him, especially with the Invisalign experience opening in retail locations. I was curious how it started for him.
1: I get a flyer in the mail in 1998 showing Invisalign and what it does. And it was just one of these, it was a beautifully presented, glossy, um, uh, brochure So I look at it. So I call my friend up. Um, in Manhattan who uh, we're, we're close friends and he's he has a practice on Park Avenue and uh, I respect what his thoughts are And I call him up and I say uh, Mark um, Have you heard about this and he says well for your information the CEO is just in my office So I said great give me his number So he so I call up the CEO I always like to go to the top call the CEO up got to talk uh, found out more about it. His name is Zia Chisti. He was a Pakistani and the story is this he and another lady were at Stanford and uh, This is uh, I'm almost 100% correct that this is 100% correct uh, and he had braces when he was younger and They were in their master's program at Stanford University in California and they were um, his teeth started moving so he went back to his orthodontist and his orthodontist said yeah we could fix it and we'll put some braces on and he said oh wait a minute isn't there a better way of doing this in this day and age so what he developed was he 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 researched what happened because what happened from the original guy in 53 and uh, a guy named Jack Sheridan came out in the probably in the 70s or 80s some probably in the 80s where what he did was instead of using appliances he developed us uh, a clear aligner to do this. And he developed a whole technique with what's called Essex appliances, E-S-S-I-X. So, in, in any event, uh, that's what happened. I researched it and met the people and uh, it's come a long way. Have you? Do you consider yourself an early adopter of invisible? Oh, uh, I'm definitely early adopter. It started in 1998, 99.
0: So you really have a, watched it grow and evolve. I've watched know. it grow. I initially participated. I'm sure. Not only like that,
1: I didn't. I didn't hardly do as many cases because I only saw the indication for very minor tooth movement. Um, you know, like any company, everybody you know wants to promote their product. You know, and I'm a scientist. I'm an evidence-based guy. I'm an academician and a clinician. Clinician, because I've I've been a teacher my whole life and I don't just take anyone's word for it because I'm applying these principles to my patients so if I don't believe in it then I'm not doing it so
0: we're gonna talk about it in a little more detail just trying to understand where you feel Invisalign is in its life cycle. Do you feel the, the best is yet to come, and we've are uh, beginning to uncover more and more about the technology, or do you think it's peaked and now it's just fine tuning and tweaking?
1: Well, let's call it a line of therapy as opposed to Invisalign, because Invisalign is a company. Okay. So let's call it a line of therapy because there's going to be a lot. There are a lot more improvements. I think the you know the lay people don't understand much of this, and uh, so they can. Let's talk about do-it-yourself orthodontics again. Go to a scanning center, um, and they scan you in, and they move the teeth. By a technician, moves the teeth. Um, I think an orthodontist looks at it remotely from some location, and then they uh, send the patient the aligners, and they put them in themselves. And no one's observing this. You know, there's no, uh, there's no one checking to see if there's any problems with the bite, there's no one checking to see if there's problems with the gum, there's no one to see if there's any decay in the mouth. So all that stuff needs to be assessed prior to starting someone's treatment. Then the next level is the general dentist who doesn't have any orthodontic training besides weekend courses uh, and um, they, uh, they see it as a money maker and it is, for them it is because they'll, they'll, uh, they'll discount the price and uh, do what the tech says should be done. And some people do very well with it and get away with a good good value and other people get hurt by it. Um, there's no evidence to support all that right now, but um,
0: I, I, mean, I want to talk about evidence. Well, here's what I, I, here's what fascinates me is that, that then there's this next level. The next level is the, the true doctor, the true scientist, and that's where you hop on this bus, right? You're right. the person that says, and then there's somebody that has the history and the training, which is important to this profession. Right. And, and the reason it's important is that some of the things you've mentioned is to infections, decay, uh, other, other movements that might not be anticipated, watching the progress that's where it takes a an experienced mind tell me a little bit more about about some of the benefits of going with somebody with that much experience versus the somebody who's still a dentist i'm still a dentist for right
1: i'm a dentist true
0: so but you have dentists with with extra credentials tell me about those credentials that differ from well the, weekend, the difference the is Warrior. that you
1: spend uh, right now the program that i teach has three years post-dentistry that's three full years five days a week plus all the work that you have to do, seeing patients, going to lectures, I mean, that's three years of work. I mean, you don't just discount that. Lion therapy, anyone could do it. A general dentist can go and do oral surgery. They can extract teeth. They can do root canals. Uh, I could too, but I specialize, and this is all I do. But, uh, and an oral surgeon, that's all they do. is They extract teeth, they do jaw surgery, and heal the infections. A root canal is called an endodontist. That's all they do. So you limit your specialty to call yourself an orthodontist, or an endodontist, or a periodontist, and um, it's not that, that I, I could say that all people doing it are doing bad things, you know, I, I, I don't know that. I just know that, that uh, I believe a line of therapy has somewhat dumbed down the, the science of orthodontics, because there is a science to it. Now, whether someone, you know, most people that, that um, let's take myself, for example, why I became an orthodontist. So why did I become an orthodontist? What, what intrigued me? Uh, intrigued me if, if you're dealing with kids uh, that are growing, um, there is um, growth and development to deal with, uh, there is uh, the transition from the baby teeth to the permanent teeth. Uh, there are things where there are times when teeth do not come into the mouth, and maybe there's a growth, maybe there's just uh, like an ectopic pregnancy where where the um, embryo does not attach at the proper place. And most people know about ectopic pre- pregnancies. Well, a, there are ectopic teeth, and that's what we I deal with all every day. Only. But you know, there's, there's so much out there. There's so much data. You you can't be an expert at everything. So I've always chosen to be really good at one
0: thing and that's been orthodontics for me. So tell me where the conversation would go from here. Where where is the next, what's the next logical step in understanding Invisalign and, and... The
1: nice, the people that are familiar with alignment therapy know that all of a sudden they go and they get these clear plastic aligners and they change them. Uh, practically every sometimes a week sometimes two weeks depending on how many hours you wear it a day because typically they used to say how to wear it 20 hours a day and you used to change them every two weeks I'm down to a 10-day protocol Well, if someone doesn't wear them as much then they have to wear them longer so that's very individual um, some people are on a seven-day protocol um, but it depends on the tooth movement that's being done there's bumps on the teeth that are called attachments now this is where The whole concept of Invisalign is starting to change. These bumps on the teeth actually permit the plastic to grab the tooth better. So there's a bump on the tooth and now the plastic is grabbing it and the plastic, each one of these bumps is designed in such a way to push a tooth in a certain direction.
0: I have in in front of me an actual tooth sample with, I feel, ridges, there are actual uh, nubs on the outside of the tooth right okay so that's adhered. and that goes on
1: it's like clear filling material and that comes off when we're done
0: and and there's a science with the size of that or is yeah, it yeah the idea? size the
1: shape okay, the location.
0: location okay fantastic All those. okay and that's, nope, that's and the there's science. a science
1: to the material that was uh, that pushes it the plastic that's been changed tremendously it's now more flexible and has a more a range of, of action uh, so the range is big is better The force distribution is better. So all those things come into play. If you push on a tooth too hard, it doesn't move, it stops. So
0: there's a certain amount of pressure you can put on a tooth for it to move. To to figure that out, that's lifetimes and careers to understand the the mechanics of that. So so what you're saying is, because as a structural engineer, I can appreciate the fact that there's a moment, a force, a a lever arm, and the size and location of that nub, what, what I'm learning is that creates like a fulcrum and it will push upon a tooth differently so the science isn't so much the, the clear device as it is the placement and size of these fulcrums, of these levers.
1: Yeah, well also don't forget that I, it also there are some teeth that don't have any of these and it still pushes and pulls. It depends on, on what you need to have done. Sometimes it's moving the tooth up or down, sometimes it's just a rotational movement. There's a translational movement, which is different from a tipping movement. So there's all different types of movements in, in orthodontics. And and uh, retention is key. I've, intention- retention is indefinite for a lifetime. So if you have a tooth that's crooked and you straighten it, you have to hold it there. Now sometimes you can hold it with something in the mouth that's glued in, or if it's removable. I, I particularly like uh, removables better. But um, in this day and age, compliance is an issue. Uh, People want things done fast, they want things done uh, cheaply, and they want things that they don't have to put effort into. Is there an age limit or a preferred age for this science? Well, right now, where most, most of the a line of therapy is done in the permanent dentitions, and that uh, the permanent dentition is, is in someone's mouth, Anywhere from nine to 15 years of age, because some people at nine have all their permanent teeth, and some people at 15 still have some baby teeth, and and they have to lose. And those are the that's the range. So most of them are most of the patients are there uh, in that range, and adults are definitely more of the patient load with Invisalign uh, for more or, cosmetic purposes. Yeah. Well, people are driven for by cosmetics. Now, also cases that have problems, and I'll get it from. The restorative dentist say, I, need to, I can't put the implant in this position because the tooth has moved in the position where I can't put an implant in. We need to open the space to put the implant in. And, uh, or someone who has a jaw joint problem, which is a temporomandibular dysfunction. Um, those, those things are evaluated and sometimes we have to do treatment for that. Some people need jaw surgery to correct their bites. and Some people are coming in just because they don't like the... Most people are coming in because they don't like the way it looks. And Invisalign does that for the front six teeth really well. But there's more to it than that. And I think the book hasn't been written by uh, all the the, um, practitioners that are doing uh, the line of therapy and not paying attention to um, the way someone's teeth meet.
0: You know, it's something that came to mind when you were talking earlier about uh, adults and wearing braces my recollection of those who wear braces are all about rubber bands and I've yet to hear one mention of coming in for different rubber bands does Invisalign even have rubber yes, bands? Yes, I use
1: a lot, I use rubber bands on, on Invisalign, on the liners. A,
0: a lot or a little? Are they part of everybody's lifestyle? No, not everybody. I mean, you know,
1: it's, well, it depends on what the needs are. I, mean, I, I use them, I use them. I so it's a tool a in your
0: toolbox is really what it exactly. is. Exactly. So you've got natural pressure on these bumps which i would imagine as the tooth moves you'd scrape them off and put a different bump or no no well not
1: typically actually the bump stays most of the time what what um these two people at uh, stanford did was made it um contemporary so what they did was with the science of scanning you could actually scan the teeth or take an impression and and actually move it digitally so What happens is now the tooth gets moved digitally and the new aligners made. So every 10 days you change it to the next one which puts pressure on different teeth in different positions. Now, that is what uh, we do to make a decision on whether the tooth's moving in the right position. Um, So what happens is we make a decision and let's say someone has 20 aligners. And, it go, and you look on the computer screen, and they're all beautiful. And then they're, they're into their 20th aligner, and the teeth are still crooked. Well, why? Well, you have a piece of plastic pushing the tooth. You have, a, you have someone's tooth, who's in a, which is in the body, which has a different metabolic uh, state than another person. So some people move quicker than others. Certain types of movements are quicker than others. So what do we do? We take a, we take a scan, and we start moving teeth again. You get more aligners. Sometimes it takes, you know, for me to decide on the case it takes probably three, three times for me to involve um, the, with the technician uh, online to make sure it's going, uh, going in the way I want it. And sometimes they do it because the algorithm tells them what to do. I mean, it's, ge- it's genius what's been done, but the algorithm tells them what to do. And sometimes the algorithm
0: does not make sense to the science of orthodoxy. So that's where your expertise comes in over somebody that just might be doing this as a part-time weekend thing that doesn't really understand the mechanics behind it. So that, that's where, right. w- where we get to your level of, right. of understanding of the product. Correct. That's, that's absolutely the difference.
1: Um, because once it's designed, then it just gets made. And you you do what you have to do. Sometimes you have to you know you have to make space a certain ways. Expansion is one way of making space. Extraction of teeth is another way of making space. Doing what's called interproximal reduction is another way of, of making space. They're all different ways.
0: How much of that equipment is here versus maybe having to go to a hospital or or taking a picture and uploading it to somewhere? You mentioned that the algorithms, all those processing. Is that all cloud based or is that all a computer sitting in this office? Cloud based. Ah, finally. I also found it so interesting that this profession, like so many others, including mine, are moving to online tools to aid their practices. So that's how it's able to break out of intimidating dentists' offices and reinvent itself in sexy mall experiences that's more in alignment with today's culture. No pun intended. Barry can now review 3D scans taken by connected technicians and provide his years of experience to develop a proper alignment solution. It's similar to what I'm doing in the field of structural engineering and why I was so drawn to this developing model. These are fascinating evolutions of age old professions.
1: Now the thing about Googling something, as as you realize, I I talked about evidence-based, people on the internet will say anything. How do you know it's true and not true? You know, I mean, so you have to you have to be a smart consumer, that's all. Hey, sometimes it works out, and sometimes the patient won't even know. They may not know for 10 years. They may not, you know, you if the tooth's in the wrong position and 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 uh, it's not been evaluated, then problems could arise. Because what makes a good doc is not treating the easy ones and the ones that turn out right, is what do you do when something's going wrong? That's what makes a good doc.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you, Dr. Barry Matza, for your time and expertise. You're listening to Deconstructing This, a podcast hosted and recorded by me, Frank Bernardo.